Welcome to the Butter Chicken Podcast, hosted by DJ Shirai and DJ Juicy. We focus on the stories of individuals who are making great impact in society and culture. The Butter Chicken Experience is well-cooked, thought-provoking conversation. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the vibes. You got the culture? Yes, 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 yes. Party people, New York City and worldwide. You already know what it is. This is your boy, DJ Sherrod. And DJ Juicy, baby. Juicy, what up, son? Chilling, Sherrod. I was cracking, bro. I feel like I'm in Queens right now. I son. feel like I'm, I'm excited today, boy. Yeah? Why are you excited, bro? Because I love hip-hop. Do you like music in general? I love music in general, but I love hip-hop. What is your favorite genre? My favorite genre is, is hip-hop. Your favorite genre is hip-hop? Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Your favorite, your favorite would be Bollywood. Not me. Fuck out of here. Bollywood. Yeah. I fucks with Bollywood, but it's not my favorite. Uh, really? So hip hop's your number one, and hip- now you're. I, I see. Like when you play, you're you're playing a lot of this like soulful, funky, uh, Latiny, housey, tropicaly shit. Yeah, I fuck with that shit too. Twenty two BPM. Yeah. Twenty five BPM. I've always been into like deep house, tech house, shit like that, but. Hip hop is the core. That's the shit that that really got me excited about music when I was young. You know, we spoke about it a couple episodes ago. You know what's so crazy is that I, I, obviously I love hip hop too. I like all music in right. general. Right. Hip hop actually led me to un- to study soul, funk, breaks, classic. So it started with me for rap, but then I I dug deeper into other stuff and I love that stuff too. Obviously, when I moved to Long Island and I I made a lot of other friends, I l- started liking house music. So I like a lot of different genres dance halls huge for me of course right so and then obviously your love for punjabi music is that yeah if if, if if we're talking desi music i, I think bhangra is is bigger for me than bollywood and if you could only have one would it be it would be bhangra over bollywood absolutely what do you think it would be for me of the two bhangra and bollywood for you yes it has to be bollywood over bhangra i would say so yeah yeah, yeah. i like it a tad I, I think there's more diversity in it okay in my opinion but but the reason why I ask you about like your favorite musical style and like genres you like is because nowadays when artists are making music, we don't necessarily have to put them into a genre category or into a box or say that person does rap or that person does soul or that person does desi or whatever it may be. It's because nowadays I feel like the music that's coming out and the, the way the world is working is that there's so much diversity in projects that we're listening to. Mm-hmm. And one project that comes to mind that's very, very, very diverse, or, or actually an artist that I feel just kind of touches all genres of music or all styles and incorporates that is is a cat that's from not too far away from where from. He's from Astoria, Queens. And that is? That is a gentleman by the name of Anik Khan. Anik Khan, welcome to the show, man. What's up, y'all? Thank you for being here with us today, man. It's a pleasure. Big up, Anik. Thank you for having me, Sharad. That was a fire ass, like <laughs> that was very seamless. It was like silk. <laughs> the way you were like, and I know about someone. He lives in this story. His name is Anik Khan, and the camera just went. Shh. <laughs> That's Fuck. how we do, bro. We're an episode, yeah. you know. We're up there now. We're, we're, we're G's at this podcast. Yeah, shit now. that was very fire. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. Um, so I've actually wanna tell you that. Juicy, I, and a bunch of people in our circle uh, are genuine fans of 
your music, uh, what you bring to the table, and it's fair to say that um, we want to see you win. Thank you for being a believer. Okay. I, I appreciate it. Um, and many people know you for the records you're putting out now, or like the people that <coughs> might tune into Butter Chicken might know you for, you know, Habibi, which is the single you put out uh, recently with the video. But you've been doing music for a long time, and prior to that, uh, you have a, a history that's led you to this point so far. And what we try to do at Butter Chicken is tell the come up story. Um, try to tell, uh, give the listener perspective from not just what you're doing now, but from where you come from. Um, so we just want to dive right into it, man, and just know where you come from. Let our listeners know where you come from, uh, both from the hip hop side or from the queen side, and then also culturally, like who you are. Who is Anikan? Yeah, so uh, I was born in Taco Bangladesh. I moved here when I was four. And I uh, moved to, you know, lower income apartments in Astoria. Six people, one bedroom type shit, you know. Uh, and then grew up in this in this queen shit, in this R train shit, you know. And uh, kind of shaped me, molded me. And um, started getting into music from my uh, really good friend, Sergio Carrasco. He handed me food loops when I was like 16. And I was like, oh, this shit is fire. And so some people don't know what Fruity Loops is. Is that FL cereal? Studio. That's not cereal, right? Nah. What is that? <laughs> it's FL Studio. Okay. Yeah. Talk talk about that. Because so, some yeah. of our educated, our listeners are not educated in the music. So space. before it was called FL Studio, it was called Fruity Loops. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm glad they changed the name, right? Nah, I fuck with Fruity Loops. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. But I think they was like dealing with something. Well, anyway. Um, but yeah, so I, he handed me FL Studio. And before then, all I did was play ball all day. Like every single day doesn't mean I'm good. I'm not. I mean that that <laughs> wasn't like a segue to be like I'll beat you. <laughs> that's you know. But that's all I did. I played ball mad times, and then I got I got Fruit Loops, and I just started making beats. Just making beats all the time. That's all I did. I stayed home and I made beats. Interesting. And, and uh, my we moved. We had moved early. Uh, early high school, I moved to uh, Virginia, mm -hmm. and I kind of got like for a little bit of my life. I kind of. Got like the suburban life for a little bit, uh, and I met Sergio out there in Northern Virginia, and uh, um, he handed me Fruit Loops, and I just started making mad beats, and we put out like our first little, first little thing, like yeah. a little fucking EP. Okay. And <laughs> I was like a junior, senior, or some shit, and like. What was like? What was what was it? It was it was it was rap shit. It was so funny. I was so trash. I was so trash. What you, what year was that? Like oh five oh six. Oh, so years ago. Yeah, I was trash. I would like talk about Queens on a song called California Dreaming. Like it didn't even make any sense what okay. I was doing. I was just doing it because right. that's what I wanted to do. And I got like most like in the yearbook. I got most biggest chance to get a record label or whatever the fuck that shit like. Like, you know how they do, like, the yeah, yeah, yeah. most fashionable or whatever, yeah, like, yeah, type right. shit? Like, they gave me the the one who would have, who would probably get a record deal. It was just hilarious. Quick question for you. Yeah. So you didn't go to high school in Queens? Nah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. You, what year did, how old were you when you moved to Virginia? I don't remember. Okay. But it was in the early teens. Okay. Yeah, it was, like, 14-ish, some shit like that. But then I moved right back after that. So you did your whole high school in Virginia? Mm-hmm. Being a Queens cat? Mm-hmm. That shit was really different. Explain that to us, because, like, <coughs> you're going from super diverse. Is it like that? Where you Yeah, went I went from Queens, New York, to Leesburg, Virginia. 
I don't even know where that is. Yeah, just imagine. Right. So like I walk in and like there's it's just mostly white people. Your family moved or did Yeah, you? Okay. everybody moved. It's it, it mostly white people and then there's three like three black kids with like Hollister and khakis on. Okay. And like two Mexicans. No brown like South Asian. Only one. Okay. So they don't even know what the fuck you are. They no, they never I don't think to this day they know what the fuck I am. And this is after nine this is like right after nine. This uh, yeah, this is after nine eleven. Okay. Yeah. So this this was this was all yeah. So all of that shit was happening. And then Yeah, so that shit kinda changed my whole perspective. I kinda didn't know who I was. I was like away from my culture. I didn't like it was I had our I I was going through identity crisis a lot back then. Right. And just like trying to assimilate. And then I was like, why the fuck am I assimilating? I don't want to do that. You know, like regular like high school shit that people go through. And then uh, like I did college out in Florida. I went to Full Sail University. Ah, Full Sail. A lot yeah. of people don't know what Full Sail is. Yeah. So I went for recording arts engineering. Uh, I wanted, you know, I was like, well, here's a fault. Like, you know, we got brown parents. So I'm like. I'm going to go to school and I'm going to go for school to something I may want to do. Turns out I fucking hate engineering and I'll never do it. Oh, shit. But I'm like Pro Tools certified, so an engineer can't, you know, they can't pull a fast one on me. Like, right. I'll be can't like, you? Mm, <laughs> that compression is not what I said it was supposed to <laughs> um, But, yeah, so what I... Was, what was Full Sail like for you? It was really eye-opening. I met some of my best friends in Full Sail. Uh, and everybody there was hustling. Everybody there was trying to get it. And really, I... I don't remember half the shit I learned because nobody remembers half the shit they learned in yeah. college. What I remember, though, was uh, how much, how hard people worked to just try to make this music shit happen. And they thought, like, going to school could be a route where they could network and meet people and do this and do that. And while I was going to school in Full Sail, I was coming back up to New York almost every other month because I was working with this studio in Brooklyn. Wow, this is... Yeah, it's throwback. So I used to work with this producer named Jay Lace out in Brooklyn, and he, like, had, you know, he would work with everybody from, like, G-Unit to Papoos, like, uh, everybody. And, like, I kind of learned shit from him and how to, like, use the boys. And How'd you make that connection with him? Uh, um, this, 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 this girl who found me on MySpace. Oh, wow. Love MySpace. Yeah, and she, like, You was still like, have a MySpace account? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, probably. Oh, I never deleted that motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, so it's word. definitely out there. So word. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, and then I would come up all the time, and that's when I got to understand like the studio and how that shit would go. And uh, I moved back. Uh, I did my degree like in full sale. Things go faster, so I did like a two year degree in a year, mm -hmm. and I'm, I moved. I moved back to New York right after. Like after I was like, I'm not doing. Like I was in. I, I came back and I was in VA for a little bit. Like I would go back and forth from New York. Like I do like mad months in New York, and I'll do mad months in VA because. My my mother still lived in VA, mm -hmm. even though my father and my sister had already moved back. And uh, the only thing that was keeping us there was like the house and like, you know, uh, I've, we've never really had shit our entire lives. Like even when we moved, like we were still broke. So like, you know, the house got foreclosed or whatever, and we thought it was a bad thing, but it was really the best thing that's ever happened to us. And my mother, you know, thought she was gonna be sad that the house got foreclosed because we had like, uh, you know. Nice little driveway. Yeah, we of had course. like a fucking, you know, air conditioning. What's Hell that yeah. shit called? Central air. Yeah, yeah, central air where you don't kind of. So she was like, I'm not moving no fucking back. Yeah. Da, 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 da. And she then, said it like that? 
No. <laughs> <laughs> she said it Bengali like I'm here. <laughs> but but then when but then when she came back, what she realized was what she really wanted to be was with was around family. Like we left everybody. Yeah. Just because, you know, back then whatever you was paying in the hood was the same amount you could pay for a townhouse in the south. Yeah. So my dad was like, "Why the yeah, this doesn't, doesn't make, make any sense?" Yeah. And he was like, "I'm not going." But then we moved back, and it was like a whole nother. Wait, what, so what was the exact reason then to move back? Because the house got foreclosed. No, but like he said, like it's cheaper to stay out there. Nobody wanted to live there no more. Gotcha. We just after being there for a while, we were like this. Like my father was like, "This ain't me." My sister was like, "Only my mother was really still attached to like." She always wanted the fairy tale cookie-cutter house, oh, yeah. the suburban lifestyle, you know what I'm saying? She didn't realize this, that's something she could have gotten here, and who she really missed was the people, like, she didn't even have nobody around her. Oh, this thing happened with the mic. Yeah. Oh, it's, nope, it's not that. Uh, hello? Okay, cool. There we go. Boom. So she didn't, she didn't have anybody around her. And uh, so when we moved back, we moved back to the hood, we moved the left rat, because you can't afford a story no more. Yeah. Right? And story has changed. We moved back. I was like, what the f- what's the, going those, on? For those who don't know what left rack, we got <coughs> listeners from all over the world, right? So yeah, they so, call left rack Iraq. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So we in left rack now. What year are you in left rack? Because I remember left rack being scary as fuck. Yeah. Were you, were you there in the scary time? Nah. Okay. Nah. The, I was in the scary time. Like left rack was scary when that story was scary. Midnight, late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, early 2000s. You know, it but when I cut at that point, yeah, 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 and then things started kind of changing mid two thousands or whatever. Um, but yeah, so when he came back, I came back like it's been, it's been like almost ten years now. Mm-hmm. And uh, how old are you when you come back to? I was like early, late, late teens, like right at twenty, twenty one, some shit like that. So this is before full sale. Nah, this was. After, after full sale. Oh, after yeah. full sale. Oh, so I graduated. Full really young, like yeah, I graduated early. I was out in Florida by the time I was like 17. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gr- m- a great move, I would say. Nah. Okay. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just, you know, I was, I'm was, i like young kid with Sally Mae loans with my own crib thinking I'm somebody when really just gotten more and more debt and shit. Yeah. And right. Okay. Didn't really do what the fuck I was supposed to do. And okay. I mean, it was a good learning experience. You know, right, like right, I was right. fooling around being dumb. <laughs> One time my bank account was at negative eight hundred and forty two dollars. I was like, how do I even I don't even know how to fuck I don't know how to get out of this. I don't even know what the fuck to do. And you my my family was like <laughs> Don't know what to tell you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? My older sister, I love her to death. She like would put twenty dollars in every single week until that shit went away because she loves me. But yeah, like I don't know what the you know what I'm saying? So like the move was eye opening, I guess, if anything. But damn, I'm giving you the whole shit. Long story short, man. I need that. Yeah, need, that's what butter chicken is. <laughs> okay, cool. Butter chicken is well cooked, nicely spiced conversation. <laughs> <laughs> this shit ain't no like Mickey facts. D's, bro. Facts, facts, facts. This facts. is butter chicken. We're not chicken. doing fast food over nah. here. No, this is. We're this not even buying the garam masala. We're like really grinding. <laughs> yeah, we're grinding this. that shit. Grinding it. Okay. We're grinding yeah. it. Put it in the pan first and then grind it. Mm-hmm. You like? And, I, and I'll put my mother's curry chicken up on anybody. <laughs> of course you would. Yeah, I'll put I'll my mother's up it. against your mother. Nah, but I win. <laughs> Tell you right now, we could do that. That's not <laughs> with anybody who want it. I got ask bring the drama with my mama. Next next time next time we see you, you better bring a pot of that. I'm not bring y'all could come listen, Done. this is gonna be a whole competition. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Either we'll this Friday, prepared. come through. Okay. We be having we be feasting. And I live in Richmond Hill. So you know the whole block got soca playing oh, hell yeah. till four in the morning. Hell yeah. 
We're out there. We used to do a lot of parties in Richmond Hill. I bet yeah. you don't know that. I, I don't. Because I couldn't get into none of them shits, man. <laughs> the only ones I got into were the day parties. I remember oh, yeah. Hell remember yeah. Queen's Day parties? The day jams, yeah. They yeah. Don't, they, nobody knows about nah. shit like that. You used to come to those? Can you break Can you break down what a day jam is for we you? We will when you interview me on the podcast. <laughs> we're but day jams were incredible. Yeah. So you went to day jams? Of course I went to day jams. Yeah, we're going. Nostalgic. So we're, are we not doing agenda? We're just doing freestyle? Yeah, fuck <laughs> it. <laughs> fuck it. But I want to know one thing first, actually. Wait, Queen's Day jams, we have to talk about it. <laughs> you were part of that. I, I was, was part of that. Let okay. me tell you, and, and motherfucking kids don't party now. Nah, but let me tell you why. First of all, every everybody's they got the internet. It's corny, so you, you don't come out as much. Word, right. you can see somebody somewhere Word. doing whatever. Or you just Facetime your friends. Yeah, but like back then, that's all we had. Like, what my my parents were awesome. So like, I didn't. I never really had a curfew. It was cool with me going wherever the fuck. Right. Right. But the only reason we even had day jams was because. Strict parents right. can't stay out till nighttime. Right, like l- late at night. Let's 100%. do the party during the daytime. Cut, cut out of high school early and just that, fucking go and party. It, I stuck. met a lot of Ghanese in Trinidad. <laughs> oh, heavy, heavy. It was amazing. Parties. Yeah, it was amazing. That's where I got my. That's where I thought I was West Indian. Mm. That's when I started thinking I, mean, I was Ghanese. Your, your, your rec, some of your records have a lot of West Indian influence on it. We'll get to that. But yeah, back to the day jam. Yes. So <clears throat> the, they started because of Brooklyn Queens Day. Yes. But Brooklyn Queens Day was. Do they not? Ha- they don't have that no more, right? I don't even know. We need. I live in the suburbs we now, sh- so I'm removed. I'm from that. trying to do a Brooklyn Queens Day. Yeah, we'll that's, talk, Honey, we'll talk about that exists? later. I don't think so. The BQ, if, it now should be called the BQE. Facts. If you, if you, if you, because I know you don't just do the music shit. I heard you earlier talking about doing this food thing as well. So yeah. you're obviously diversifying what you do outside of music, which is exceptionally smart. You probably have a good team around you and a good head on your shoulders to be doing stuff like that, but. Brooklyn Queens Day specifically was a day off, right? Mm-hmm. And that was why we were able to throw a party because all the South Asian, West Indian kids would not tell their parents that the school was closed. Yeah. So they'd be like, oh, we're going to school. <laughs> and for those parents that knew school was closed, they'd be like, oh, I'm just going to like Amna's house to study or this one's house right, to study, right, that right, one's right. house to study. And He said Amna. That was a heavy Queen's name. Wow. Mm-hmm. And the Long Island kids just cut, cut out of high school. Jyoti's going to Amna's house. We would make fun of all of the Long Island kids when they come over there. <laughs> yeah, We'd be like, you, you from you, where? You could tell it was there. Boy, you not from New York. Get the fuck. <laughs> so they were at clubs in Queens. Yeah. Well, in Richmond Hill. Yeah. On Atlantic. Atlantic, Liberty. Liberty. Um, Leffert. Some of those clubs <clears throat> were Soka Paradise. Oh, my God. Calypso City. Yep. Caribbean Tropics. They still got Calypso City, don't they? Amazura. Amazura, they yep. still got. And, Mar- still- and Mirage, Mirage was yeah. shut down. Which yeah. we, 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 we were the ones that... Mirage brought. was the one you get stabbed. Mar- there was a stabbing at our party. Yeah, there was. They, there's a stabbing at every party in Mirage. <laughs> well, Mirage is now shut down, obviously. Yeah. So we come from that that time. And apparently you do too, but you're much younger than us. Yeah, I was hanging with my cousins. Okay, so you were probably at parties that I was DJing, and we didn't even know each other. Though. That's wild. If that's the case, yeah, a hundred percent. I was. Wild. I have flyers from those parties. Like, that's wild. I was at most of those, and I yeah. was, and we used to actually do them with Bengali kids. Yeah, because Bengalis, the Bengali, our partners in doing those parties were Bengali kids from Queens. Wow. Yeah, three Bo- legends. Kev- Kevin Little, remember we brought Kevin Little out here. Yeah, we brought first. Kevin Little. For real? We brought Kevin Little to this country, bro. Facts. What? Yeah, we were the first ones. He came. We picked him up in my dad's Ford Taurus. Tempted, but enough about us. Tempted a, to touch. No, that no, was turned me on. Rupee was tempted to touch. Oh, you're yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but we did. We had Rupee too. That's right. Yeah. Wow. All that shit. That was like our, our, we love that. So that's where we come from musically, which is why 
I identify with your music wow. fast. Hold on, you gotta give me a second, cause you just said you brought Kevin Little out here first. I have proof of it. And okay. also, you're just I'm just going back to I'm just thinking about there was a, there was one time me and the homies went to a date we not it wasn't even a day jam it was like a night party and they just let me in because I was with my older cousins mm -hmm. and like one of my cousins like bag like somebody some Guyanese dude's girl and they just started they just wet, they just started stabbing right there mm -hmm. they just they be poking they mm -hmm. just, and that's it quick yeah you yeah. don't even that's right ta -ta. You just, and you then see and then and then what the fuck just happened was that a mirage I don't probably remember, man. probably and that was like damn you just took me all the way back to all that sh that's crazy yeah. yeah wow good old days I love those I days. love those days man I love the guns coming out at the club. Oh, <laughs> sun's out, guns out, man. That's a that was a Freaking whole different amazing. time. Man. And it, I wasn't even scared. Like <laughs> nah. I would never put myself in those nah, situations never. now. But it like it was. The <laughs> like, I would never like book me to DJ. Yo, I'm coming with eight bouncers, bulletproof vest, or I'm not coming to that neighborhood. But we were also rolling around with a bunch of goons too. So like that's how. Yeah. Th you know what's funny that. <laughs> People, that's how I'm known out here. Now, I, <laughs> I'll be 30 deep now, <laughs> even now. Wherever I'm going, right. I'm I'm like, like uh, I'm doing a show soon, and then <laughs> they gave me a list. And Dominic came back like, oh no, nah, we need more than this. <laughs> It was, so it was like, they like, tried to give me like 10. I was like, he need like about 30. That's <laughs> who, who rolls with you? Like, like, huh? Like, what type of people? Will, like, you just got a squad that deep? Yeah. Absolutely, my like the men around me, like they're like good guys, and like people I grew up with, like nobody I know that's around me I've known less than like eight, seven to fifteen, twenty years. My circle is like I have a a small circle when it comes to like the people around me, but it seems big to everybody else because. Because you'd say you're coming 20 deep with people or whatever the fucking case may be. But that's it. That's those 20. And those are like my club. Like, I, th I trust my life with those guys. And, like, I don't need any more. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's. Yeah, 20 is good. Stays they right. got to get through 20 people to get to you there. <laughs> Stay, stays right there, you know? Yeah. I, li yeah. I, I like that, man. So so you, you keep your circle tight. Um, left rack. And then music. Like, you had that one EP in 05. Where does it start for you in terms of really getting into the thing of, hey, I'm going to do music? So I went through a bunch of industry bullshit for a while. Tell us um, about that. Um, I was, the, so the co-founder of Motown, Mickey Stevenson, found me when I was about 19 years old. Flew me out to California and shit. What do you mean found you? Like, did you have music out at that time? Nah, somebody, he, I knew somebody that knew him, sent him my stuff. He's like, this kid is dope. Oh, so you were making records at that time? Yeah, I've been making records since I was 16, 15. Okay. Are those on the internet and findable? I hope not. Okay. <laughs> uh, probably, but they're trash. Okay. Yeah. It was like a, I really had to work at this shit. Okay. Like, I didn't get good. Like, I wasn't always good. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I, now you're good. Yeah. Are you great yet? <laughs> I don't know what that means, man. Okay. To I me, it's that. like, for me, it's like, if the shit is mixed well, produced well, Done well. Right. After that, it's it's after that it lies on opinion. Mm. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. So But you could say now you've you you know how to I make could do record. those shits. Yeah. I could make sure it's produced well, it's mixed well, and it's presentable. Right. And after that, if somebody wants to call it great, they can. If somebody wants to call it trash, they can. I think we stare at 
word a little too much. You know what I'm saying? Like, great to me, like that. It it's really a concept that doesn't make sense to me because one person's great can be another person's like. What yeah, the fuck. Trash. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's is is basura. Yeah. And then you're like, well then who's right and who's wrong? Right. And you're like, it's well, all subjective at that it's, point. At that yeah. point it's like there's no actual stats can that can tell you you're great or not, unless we're going by numbers that talk about like how successful you are. That has nothing to do with you being great at what you do. Right. You know what I'm saying? So great really just comes down to prior, whatever the fuck people think it is. Prior to your foodie fruity loops experience, like and that's kind of where you started making beats and really musically influenced you. Were you listening to any specific artists that influenced your 100%. sound? Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Bob, Bob Marley's probably my biggest okay. influence. Like, like you said, we, I'm, I'm a Queens kid. So I grew up with West Indian music. Mm-hmm. I grew up with Bengali music. Mm-hmm. My father. Uh, um, but like, when it comes to anything, art, poetry, yeah, absolutely. Flutes, we we kind of was like. When you here, say guys. we were talking about Bengalis. Yeah. Here, yeah. guys. Here's the foundation I, of I, it all. I'd like to talk about that for a second and okay. touch on that because. <clears throat> It seems to me that you you know, or you've spoken in in multiple places about being Bengali, and you don't hide the fact that you're from that part of the world, or you're from that region of the world, and you know your history. My father's a freedom fighter. He made sure I knew my history. Tell us what that means, because there might be some people that don't even yeah, understand so, what so, Bangladesh so, went so through. So Bangladesh is one of the largest genocides in history. It happened because of Pakistan. Pakistan still doesn't acknowledge it. Has never like apologized for it. Kind of like, you know, like. Turkish with Armenians. Mm. I, I don't say that as like I hate Pakistanis or something. Like it's like I'm just stating like actual facts, facts of what yeah. happened. Um, and my father was in it, and you know he's the reason I have a language. He's the reason I have a culture. He's the reason I have a country that I could you know call home besides America. Well, obviously America is my home. Queens is my real home. Mm-hmm. But he is the reason that I have any of those things, and it's because he, at 18, went out and and fought for something that I could not even fathom being able to do at that age my father's my hero you know what i'm saying like he's always kept we never we was broke we've never had shit in our lives but he's always made sure to keep food in the fridge and keep the family close mm. and there's nothing really ever i can ask more he's the most thorough man i know so yeah i know a lot about my culture and my heritage because my father made sure to tell me that like this is what happened this is where you come from these are the things that went down you know and he's a smart dude i remember reading a history book in high school and him going like so let me get this straight you're reading about another country from a country that didn't go through that thing and like that shit just blew my mind yeah i was like whoa and uh, you know he was like well, why don't you read this you know it's like but yeah um I don't know if I just had no, no, my no, father a little bit, but no, <coughs> man, she's got to show Sorry. love and respect, man. That's yeah, what yeah, it's yeah. about. I think yeah. we we come from just generally, uh, we come from a culture that has an <laughs> utmost respect for elders, yeah, uh, the wiser ones, people that have been through shit that we haven't been through. So in in what we do at Butter Chicken, it's it's not like all right, cool, well you got some great records and let's talk shit about that and talk about you spin. That's great, but we want to really understand what brought you to this point and how it's going to help you turn corners over and over and over again. And I think foundation from what you've, you've said here is that foundation, uh, comes from family. Uh, yeah. and it keeps, helps, keeps you grounded. Absolutely. hundred percent. Um, that like dash, you know, when you don't have shit, that's really all you have. You know what I'm saying? When you can't do shit, but like 
you know, you can't, when you leave, get out of school and all the kids are grabbing Mr. Softy ice creams and you can't, you're like, fuck, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like you want a vanilla or rainbow sprinkles and you can't do that shit, you know? And your mother feels bad as shit and then, like, she's angry at you outside because you keep fucking annoying her to get some. Right. But inside, she hugs you and she cries and she's like, I wish I could have, I'm sorry, da 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 You know what I'm saying? Like, right. That that sh- that bond is just makes you stronger and makes you you know how who you are almost you know. You were talking about Motown and flying out. Yeah, right. Damn, we went on mad tangents because we <laughs> also talked about B- Bangladesh and how. Yes. The art scene is really yes. from our side yeah, of town they, that nobody is, wants to admit. But we'll talk about that. Butter too. chicken, well cooked. Sometimes you just throw. <laughs> <the fucking laughs> you just throw some throw shit in. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> One mm. place that I frequent a lot. Mm. To this day, and I've frequented it through its changes, is 74th Street. Yeah, it's Bengali now. It is 100. <laughs> it's n- there's nothing Indian there. It's like four stores Indian, and then the rest is 100% Bengali. So for everyone outside of our community, like meaning the South Asian diaspora, they're going to look at it and be like, oh, that's that's the Indian spot. Yeah. They don't know better. Yeah. But like 73rd has like Nepali spots. Yeah. It's like in Bengali, Nepali, and Tibetan now. It's yeah. so different. Yeah, like y'all got bread. Indians and yeah. Pakistanis got bread now. Y'all left. Y'all <laughs> went to Long Island. Y'all lawyers <laughs> and doctors and shit. No, nah, but everyone's everyone's moving further east, bro. Yeah. Like yeah. a lot of Bengalis in, in Jamaica, Queens too now. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. they were coming from Jackson Heights. And now the progression is slowly going east. So. My point to you <laughs> is that if you go to any of these fucking Indian restaurants that are run by Bengalis, they serve butter chicken there. Word. So y'all fuck with it. Maybe you don't fuck with it. Yeah. Well, they they also might just be smart and make sure they <laughs> sell it. <laughs> and and Sixth Street too is another place yeah, that's run by Bengalis. Yeah. Where? Sixth Street, New York City. Sixth Street. All right. Yeah. Dude, that's Bengali town. Like, I just shot a video. Oh, did you over there? Over there. Yeah. Is that? Did you get the rick? Did you end up with the rickshaw? I did. We we did. just we went with another rickshaw. Guy, okay. Right? As long as you got a rickshaw. Yeah, yeah, we got a rickshaw. Okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So so Motown. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so not nah, um yeah, so he 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 heard my shit. He brought me he flew me out the first time I was around like celebrity people and shit and, like but that. But this is the stuff that you deem as trash. Yeah. This is the records that you think are trash. Trash, hundred percent. That someone at a label with power said this shit is He wasn't at a label anymore. Okay. He wasn't with Motown anymore. He was a co founder of it with Barry Gordy. He made his own thing called Stevenson International. Okay. Um yeah, and that's the thing he wanted to do some shit with me. For. That kind of sounds like a plug, like right there. It's like it sounds like. Would you be excited at that point? I was like at that point. Yeah, bro, I was wild excited. First of all, I'm getting flown out to California. I'm going to like MTV Movie Award parties, like after parties and shit. You know, like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. And I, who do you go with? Who do you take with you? I w- I was with some. <sighs> wow, I can't believe I was with him. I was with some. I was with some friends. I was with. I, he was wanted to sign somebody else as well. Okay. So I was with those guys. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I'm there, and I don't have, you know, no, nobody in my family comes from music. Nobody comes to any of that. I don't have no lawyers. I don't have no nothing. I signed this contract, horrible contract, five years. Bad, 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 bad. Ooh, bad. Damn. Yeah. Can you was, talk? Tell us about that. I mean, it's just, it just, it, it was not, it was not much. Like it was, re- it was really my growing process. Like I made mad music. We didn't do much with it, mm-hmm. and, um. The contract just like so kind of like faded a away. Deal, if you will. I mean, they didn't really. They, I I think that's what I mean by <clears throat> industry bullshit. Is like 
we didn't really understand each other. He wanted to work differently. The internet was like what I favored more and they didn't kind of understand what I was trying to do. So nothing really happened with that at all. Okay. And then from there... Who um, produced all your music then? And like who was like paying for the studio then? <coughs> How were you I, had st- I had a studio in my, in, in my crib. Okay. And, and I was doing all that shit on And you were own. doing your own beats? Uh, Yeah. And also I had friends just like my homies who would like... All my friends at that point were creative so they would... Throw me beats here, throw me beats there, and we'll figure it out together. Um, but yeah, so th- it started with him at like 19, and then after that, I met I met Executive Nick. I don't know if y'all know who that is, but he basically is Mano's manager, mm-hmm. and he had that he had that he had Fight Club, okay, yeah, started sure. Fight Club and all that stuff. Yeah, well, I don't know him personally. Yeah, yeah. Shout shout out to Nick because he was really the first one to get it. This is like 2012 or some shit like that. This is a couple years later. Oh, here it comes. How do you meet him? Look what's coming. James. <laughs> so we've never, this is this is like, uh, we're now turning into drink champs. Oh, man. <laughs> we are here. Nori, what up? Yo. Hey, uh, yeah, <laughs> right. Go, just go, go, good belt gang. Oh, he got the big bottle. Sheesh. That's all you, bro. Let's talk about Wait, it. Wait, is it yo, open? Yo, my man. Oh. So, yo, what happened? Bro? Wow. Damn, so disrespectful, bro. my No, G. it's okay. That's perfect. Share the wealth. There's a lot here. Y'all what? want some? I might as well. Yeah, yeah fuck it. I don't drink. You know that, right? Really? Like I rarely drink. Like I'll then drink what the fuck? I'll drink with you. I have a drink. Yeah, fuck it. We drink. But I you drink. say you rarely drink. Yeah, I drink like six times a year, maybe seven. All right. Well, here's one of the reasons. Hey guys, this is Mega from Holy Sheep by Mega, and I am listening to the Butter Chicken Podcast with DJ Sharad and DJ Juicy. Yo, what's good, everybody? This is Jazz Dami. You listen to Butter Chicken Podcast with DJ Sherrod and DJ Juicy. Hey, this is Heems. Shout out DJ Sherrod. Shout out DJ Juicy. This is the Butter Chicken Podcast. Yo, this is Rackstar. You can catch me on the Butter Chicken Podcast with DJ Sherrod and DJ Juicy, and it gets super spicy. What up? It's your boy Siraj, Sneaker Room All Day. I'm here on the Butter Chicken Podcast. This is one of the craziest podcasts I've ever done. Listen to me, if you don't know what Butter Chicken is, you better Google that shit. If you don't know who my man DJ Sherrod is, you better Google that dude. If you don't know who my man DJ Juicy is, a.k.a. the Punjabi Fat Man Scoop, you better Google him. We here, man. Butter Chicken Podcast all day. Yo, can I get some Butter Chicken? Butter Chicken? Butter Chicken? Butter Chicken? All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Industry bullshit. Industry bullshit. So yeah, so 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 then I met Executive Nick, Executive Nick, and he, you know, he was super dope. He basically gave me a bag. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and like, what kind of bag? It's a nice little bag. I've never seen that like like my like I'm from nothing, right? Like my and like we've established that when you said you couldn't buy ice cream. <laughs> right. Also, also like even my parents, like you know how like like Sometimes I hang out with brown kids and like their parents like from the city did well whatever whatever. My parents from the fucking like they don't they don't know when they were born. You know what I'm saying? Like Understood. like there was no doctors. Like they're from the tin it's huts. Different. Yeah. It's yeah. a different thing. It's different. Right? So mm-hmm. to come from that side. Yeah. You know sure. what I'm saying? From the rice fields and shit like that. That's where my parents are from. So we really we have no understanding of like so so levels. Right. So when I saw a check Whatever I saw, I was like, man. Was it a check or was it cash? It was a check. And it was an advance? Yeah. For, to, to sign you? To, yeah. Yeah. With, with Nick. And and we tried so to. So on his management company? Production. 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 Yeah, Production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, he's great. He so gave he me believed a bag. He believed in me way before anybody. But the bag, let, let's talk about the bag from a business <laughs> perspective. Okay. Now, I would have never done it. Okay. 
See what Good. I'm saying? Anik. <clears throat> Here's the deal. Yeah. You you might not know me too well, mm-hmm. and I might not know you too well. Mm-hmm. But w- what I want to make sure is that the listener gets some clarity as to what taking a bag really does to you. Yeah. If it's not done right or properly. So the way I look at a bag when a deal is done is that's an advance. Yeah. Was that correct? Yes. Okay. What is an advance for the listener that doesn't know what an advance is? An advance is when you get money in your pocket that you owe back that you should be making back through all forms of anything that you are as an artist, whether it's digital or sh- et cetera, et cetera. And it's starting to come into shows now. And um, that's something you get in your pocket to be able to like hold as a loan. It's it's a loan. It's It's a bank loan. And people and it, usually think it's not a loan. <laughs> people usually think it's like, oh, you made it or whatever, whatever. And then, you right. know. I the got wi- a deal. Right. The wild shit is, let me tell you how fire Executive Nick is, and this goes back to him. He was just way too busy, so we never got to put out the record that we were supposed to put out together while we were while I was, was under him. Was it a him. single deal? No, it was a like, pr- a, a like a project deal. Wow. We never put it out, so I just got the bag. The, 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 the shit dissolved. Like the contract dissolved, and I never put out anything on like with him. Damn. But every time I see him, I dap him up, and he always goes, "You owe me a project, my G." <laughs> nah, he just goes, "I was the one." <laughs> I was, I was like, "You were, you were definitely the one." Right. So, <coughs> contracts now, or sometimes a contract would have forbidden you to not put it out. Like you would have had to put it out, or he would yeah, own, you had to put it or out, or he would own that project. Right. That wasn't the case with this particular agreement. Nah, because we never even got to that point to know what. The project was gonna look like what was gonna happen. What'd you do with all the money? Spent it. No, no studio time, uh, no beats, no production. Well, time? I yeah, but I worked out a studio that he provided, so I didn't have to. Like it was all my bread. So the first thing I did was hand my mother. I was just like, here. She's happy as shit. And she was like, what? Now yeah. she likes. And you I was like, business. I was like, y'all going to Dubai? Yeah, take the five star hotel. <laughs> wow. Okay, it's amazing. So like, we made it. Like, was that a early we made it? A very early you thought you made it. Right, right, like right. you thought, boy. <laughs> right. But you ain't really make shit. <laughs> and then, like, five months later, you're like, where's the bread? And you're like, damn, it's gone. Interesting. Yeah. So, fast forward. Um, That's 2012, 2013. Some right? shit like that. Then I met a woman who's a great woman named Fadi Akater. Okay. Um, and she basically, you know, has done everything from being the content director of places like Complex to... Def Jam to Twitter to now Instagram. How do you meet? Um, through a mutual friend, and she's Palestinian, and she really understood me, and um, she uh, told me, like, yo, you, th- I think you could be something, and she, like, was starting to help me with my stuff and basically was managing me for a little bit. And Where was she, like, working at at the time that she was able to manage you and then... Complex and then Def Jam, Def Jam. right after. And... Uh, that's a nice connect to have. She, every anybody in the industry, like when you hear about Fadi, she's very well revered. Like she's a great person, great heart. Like, uh, really put in her work and is now like doing just amazing things. All she she does amazing things all the time, and I learned a lot from her. Um, <coughs> like a lot. And I was a super young kid, so I had like 
no experience in understanding what a manager relationship is or what that feels like or how you go about doing stuff. So I learned a lot and she dealt with a lot, you know what I'm saying? Because I, I'm not easy to deal with. And I could see that. Yeah. And but not in a bad way, but I can <laughs> see that you got a lot going. You're busy. Yeah. And it's not even busy. I just, you know, I, I, it, my mind goes everywhere and I've, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a wild ma- micromanager. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Wild micromanager. Okay. We'll get like, into that. Yeah, yeah. But, but I learned a lot from her, and you know, she just didn't have the time to like keep it going, and we kind of went our separate ways. On some good, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's the best. Yeah, no, it's I. I only have great things to say about her. I'll, I'll never have anything. So bad in the to time that her. this she managed you, did you create any music? Yes, create a lot of songs. Okay. And so that is what happened, right? So it's not her. And no, it's nobody's fault. When I say industry bullshit, I just mean like, I created this project. I'm about to release it, and then, you know, her life things happen in her life that I can't control. You know what I'm saying? Like, these great things are happening. She needs to be able to, you know, also get those things for her life and what she's doing. And so now I have this project that I kind of rendered or moved around getting advice from <coughs> her. And now she's not there anymore. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, oh, shit, what do I do? When you say project, this is an album? Yeah, so this is I Don't Know Yet. Okay. Oh, shit. So this was the first coming out. I Don't Know Yet has been through three things. Nick. Wow. wow. Fadia. And then finally, I met this kid on the internet. His name is Dharmic. <laughs> oh, he wow. heard a song. Okay. I know that guy. He heard a song called Badman that I did, and he tells the story all the time because he heard me say some shit like, "What, what was it? Little pretty mamacita from America just got a visa, some shit like that." I said some shit like that, and he like heard America, and he was like, "Yo, he has to be brown." And me, knowing myself, like he hit me, never hit him back. He calls me, Ani calls me, and goes, hit Dharmic back. And I go, okay, sorry. <laughs> and I hit Dharmic back. Oh, so Ani <coughs> was in the picture with you prior to Dharmic. Ani, yeah, Ani's been around for a while. You know Ani's been around the block. You know, he be, he was out here spitting bars and shit. I'm aware. Yeah. <laughs> so Ani was out here yeah, making I didn't get me. get them. We'll talk about Ani it. Ani used to horn me out for hooks. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Ani used to be like, give me another hook, and another hook, and another hook. Okay, so you guys have a, a long yeah. history. Okay, yeah, I yeah, did yeah. not know that. Yeah, so, so, <laughs> Darmic, I link up with Darmic. So what is he like? This is another MySpace plug, or is it now moved on to Facebook? Again? Nah, this is Twitter. Twitter. This Twitter. is recent. Twitter. This yeah, is yeah. this is two years ago, three years ago, okay. some shit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so we, so we meet each other, and we're talking, and he hears the music, and he's like, "Yo, we could do something with this." And you know, I was like, "You know what? Fuck it." I left everybody, I started this shit on my own, got with Darmic, two kids. Not like you know he's but three. But you you got with him after like having so many failed manager relationships. Right. So now so now in my head I'm just like. And he what's his managerial experience? None. Before me, none. It's a good choice, Anik. Yeah. So now we're like we just about to sit here, with our heads down, figure this <laughs> shit out as we go, and we learned so much. But at the moment I didn't give a fuck about what anyone else thought or didn't take any like, you know I just did what I wanted to do. Right. That's when. Shit started changing. That's when, you know, I don't know. It came out on Billboard. Uh, I did my, I did a South Asian experience. So my listening party was basically like I rented out an art gallery, and I got uh, different art pieces from different people of the diaspora, whether it's paint or documentary, and each each artwork was tied into one of my lyrics from one of the tracks. So it was seven tracks or eight tracks, and it was eight pieces of artwork. And it was different people from different places 
and it was just word of mouth. So I it didn't doesn't know sound like a like a typical standard album listing <coughs> or release party, right? And you curated that yourself, yeah. Wow. So I didn't know. So I've always been about that shit, and I'll get into more of mm-hmm. those types of things that I've done. But um, that's how that's how I wanted to put the shit out, and you know, I didn't know if people were gonna come or whatever. I look up, it's like 300 people inside. And this is like the first shit I've put out. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, ever. So I didn't know what, you know, what's going on. And then Dharmic, you know, is he's public. He's PR how king. Ins- how instrumental is Dharmic in your... Very in instrumental. Your, he's never going... Your go- build he's, from he's, the point you guys he's, start. He's not going nowhere, if that makes... If that makes any sense to what you know like he's he's verified he's the reason we're doing this podcast essentially uh, you know what i'm saying like uh, the only reason you even know me or my shit is because you know he he did so he 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 worked his ass off man he he bugged people he nagged people he probably pissed people off he didn't care he just made sure that's the type of people you need and he didn't care he he was emailing 100 people a day just for me and you know can I can I pause you for one second? Mm-hmm. In in this thing that we we do, this entertainment thing, mm-hmm. um, one of my mentors, and we'll talk about mentors <coughs> as well, but like we all have people that kind of guide us and and push us a little bit and teach us. But one of my mentors uh, told me that if you ever have management on your team, like I currently self manage my DJ career, I don't let anybody manage my DJ shit. Um, he said that when someone manages you, if that manager doesn't work as hard for you as you or harder than you, then it's you don't need that manager in your corner. Mm-hmm. And from what you're telling me, like, like you just verified that I probably wouldn't even, you wouldn't be sitting here if Dharmic wasn't here. I mean, hundred percent. that's a big up to that guy. I didn't realize how influential or he was uh, very instrumental, instrumental he, was he was in what what you do he's a he got his pr gig essentially because of all the press he was able to get for us our shit and then that started his kind of affirmation within the press world in the industry and you know now he's one of the top prs in, in new york i'm gonna chill with all of this extra I'm throwing a lot of sugar at him when <laughs> it needs to relax. Even Ani hit me with the tell you he needs some more paper now. That's right. He's <laughs> not, you know, but no, nah, he's he's definitely instrumental. He was he he was in, he's an instrumental part of everything that I've done, and um, I've also been a very instrumental part of everything that I've done um, because Ani uh, Dharmic was very much like behind the emails, behind everything, and he was also he knew people when it comes to relationships. But then it was on me to create keep, the music. Nah, it was on me to keep those relationships. Yeah. Right. It was on me to like, you know, I'm the one who was like, nah, let's go. I don't want to do this interview <laughs> at the office. Let's right. go to Tanger Masala and have some food. <laughs> Queens? You know what I'm yeah. There's let's, two. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the one where the, the Elmer's and Elmer's. there's the Grand Hill, Hillside Ave one. The Grand Nog. Elmer's Ave. is original. Yeah, Elmer's is the original. And then the there's one on Hillside. There's and then on there's Hillside. one in Queens Plaza. I didn't know about that one. Yeah. yeah. Banging. That was the first Indo Chinese I ever ate in New York. It's fire. Indo Chinese originated in, in in Bangladesh and West Bengal. Really? Let's yeah. really talk about it. Yeah. Let's really I talk did about not it. I know yeah. that. Let's really How talk about that? it. Because my wife is Bengali. Let's really talk <laughs> about it. I thought it was the. I thought it was Indian. No. Why is it called Indo Chinese? It's because it like West Bengal Bangladesh. Right, like, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, we're all that. Yeah, yeah. India, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I mean, that's that's just what it is. Yeah. Right. White people came and said, let's put some lines here and change yes. everything you know about one another. Word. You know what I'm saying? But that's, that has nothing to do with the fact that we all are one people. Um, but, but yeah, he, uh, what the fuck was you talking about? Fuck, fuck the tangent, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Your tangents, man. Fucking tongue rubber. <laughs> yeah, you be, y'all <laughs> be on them. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Indo Chinese. So, so it was on me to keep the relationships, okay, right? So, so let's like, go eat at this Indo Chinese. Right? Yeah, and like I'm just, you know, like I'm a little bit older than like my than like peers of who comes out and rap and shit like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So like, uh, my my friends aren't artists. My friends are the managers of artists. You know what I'm saying? My friends are like the PRs of artists or the booking agents, like industry friends at least. But my industry friends all, I've only got a couple. I hate the word industry friends. I only got a couple that are artists that I'm like, oh, that's actually my friend. You know what I'm saying? Because I, most of the cats, most of the artists right now, like they're a little bit, you know, they're younger. So I don't really relate to them in a lot of ways. Or they, they do different things that I'm not, you know, I've been there, done that type shit. Like, mm-hmm. no, bro, I'm not going to go eat. That horrible food that you're okay with eating right now. I've worked my ass off to go sit down and have some. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or whatever, whatever the fuck I want. Like, I, w- I was doing that at 22, and you should do it at 22 as well. So go ahead and do it. But I'm, so like, I just related to like the older heads more. Right. And, and they were, they're, the, at least in the industry, those older heads are, you know, the content director of Fader or t- fucking. Artist relations at Red Bull or whatever the fuck you know what I'm saying like they, and so those it was on me to keep those relationships and be able to know, you know how to go about doing that and how to convert communicate with those people and to like how to keep how to like make sure you're not taking advantage of those people and keeping those relationships in a healthy way and 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 in an open way and like that shit, that shit even though I'm an artist like I that's really some management shit and I learned I've been doing that for like. That's I learned that in three years of me doing all this, you know. That's really some gem shit because so many, <coughs> so many musicians or artists that I know that have a good song, or yeah, a great song, they or just want project. Focus on the music and like, but there's there's no growth to that music or that 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 record or whatever. Um, and part of it is because it's not just about making the music, and I think you understand that, where some people don't. Yeah, well, for me, it was it's never been about just the music. Like, I'm not even, like, I love music. I love music. And if things come with music, like, if I'm, like, the biggest person in the world because of music, cool. Right? But that's never been my goal. My Honestly, my goal has always been to create a platform for black and brown youth and be the one to say that I was responsible for that. When you and I don't necessarily have to mean? be the, the brown rock nation. Right, the Brown eighty eight rising, like to be able to say that, like, yo, I had to do this on my own. There was no hands, no nothing. Like I had to figure this shit out. I had to make my relationships. But you, you're really talented. You're amazing, and I have these people now. I got Ani in my corner. I got Darmic in my corner. I got so and so in my corner. I got this publicist in my corner. We have things ready for you, and you deserve this because everybody else had this while they were coming up and you didn't. And it's about time somebody provides this type of shit for you because nobody understands your perspective and they won't even give you a chance because of the fact they don't understand your perspective. But that's not going to happen no more. You know what I'm saying? So for me, I want to be able to have... I want my, my end goal is to have a platform where I could say, 
this black and brown shit, this Indian shit, this Pakistani shit, this Sudanese shit, this Somalian shit, this Trini shit, this Guyanese shit. You guys have a home. You guys have a place where you could come in as entertainers, as art, as media, and and have some guidance and know how to map out the way you need to map out. And that's what I want to leave with. You know what I'm saying? I'd rather be known for that than to be known for, you know, hit records. But Habibi is so good. Not saying I don't want hit records. <laughs> I'm not saying that right. I don't want them, nor am I saying that if I get to Madison Square level that I won't like. Like, I'll, obviously, I will accept that. All I'm saying is I know what my end goal is. Right. And that has, that is what's valuable for me, is being able to leave that stamp and be able to say, like, yo, this foreign shit, my company's called The Foreign Affair. It's The Foreign for short. It's like... D-A? The, huh? The or D-A? The. T-H-E. Okay. Yeah, T-H-E. we do all... Yeah, we're we're literate here. We, okay. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we fuck with grammar. <laughs> no, on, on our side. T-H-E? Yeah. The, the, the Foreign Affair. But it's The Foreign for short. Okay. So I say it in my rhymes, like, come fuck with the farmer and you know we right, don't. Right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? So, like... I didn't realize there was a company around that. Mm-hmm. And I haven't even told nobody about it, which is the crazy part. But I'm I'm going to announce it in July when I release some new shit. You actually just announced it because we're going to release this sooner. <laughs> ah, well. <laughs> right. The foreign. You heard it first. <laughs> yeah. we'll foreign hold, affair. We'll yeah. hold this if you'd like. Yeah, yeah. So the foreign <laughs> affair, that's my company. and And that, to me, is what... I want to leave here. I want to be able to say, like, you, you got to understand, man. Like, when I went to that Rock Nation building and I saw Tata and Emery leaning on that glass wall, you know, with this company, I'm like, y'all are drug dealers. From, Former. Right. Former. From Bed-Stuy. You know what I'm saying? Like, y'all are from, y'all are from where I'm from. I'm just across the highway. Like, how did y'all have this? I, that's what I want. I don't want to be the artist sitting here on this couch. I want to be leaning on that motherfucking glass wall with the fucking whatever cool clothes you guys have on that I can't pronounce because I'm not in that tax bracket yet. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, that's what I want. How do I, how do I do that? And for me, that's the legacy I want to be able to leave is I want to be able to bring up those kids and be like, yo, I got you. I, I'm going through these ups and downs. I'm going through like, I, I, I'm, I understand the format of this shit, and I want to provide the format for you. I, I want to give you a hand. Ain't nobody gave me no hand. Here's mine. Take it. Because when we go, when I go in the Rock Nation office, it's African Americans working everywhere, right? They're holding each other down. I see the unity there, and it's beautiful. And I, it's about fucking time you go into a fucking office in this music industry, and you see a bunch of brown people. And you see them helping each other and pulling them in and doing this or doing that. Or you go into a long office and it's an A&R listening to music and it's Mr. Sherrod or you in there listening to the shit like, this shit is I or this shit is fire. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's about time that we have that. And that's 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 really what I want to leave before I get up, you know, go under or whatever the fuck the phrase is. <laughs> <laughs> you probably don't know is we actually share that sentiment where that's part of the reason why we do this. Yeah. Like, we sit here Wednesday nights. We leave our kids, our families, our our wives, whatever, to come here and sit and create content to tell stories so that when that South Asian 88 Rising or that South Asian-driven rock is there, 
there's stories to support it, to prove its 100%. existence, and to prove to prove its realness. Like you walked in here and said, like, yo, you're a G. That's cool. But if me being a G leads to you or the next man or the next man having more opportunity to kick down more doors to create that space for more of us to come through, then ultimately, like, I did my job and you did your job so that the next guy could do their job. And it's it's very cyclical. 100%. I think when it comes to these jobs, I just want, like... I I need a building. I need a building. I need a name. I need a fucking tagline. I need a billboard. Like, it's not going to be just us knowing it. Everyone's about to know this shit. Like, and I'm not taking nothing else for no answer. Like, if everybody can walk around here with they signs and they logos and they fucking, you know what I'm saying? We're going to have our shit on 36th Street, too. We're going to have our shit on the corner of wherever the fuck we need to have. You know what I'm saying? I'm not playing secondhand no more. So, for me... That's that's what I'm here to do. That's I'm gonna find these brown venture capitalists. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna find these Arab sheikhs and princes and habibis who can throw out fifty. Talking about we want to talk about money. Let's go to the middle. Y'all really want to talk about y'all really want to talk about some rap money. Let's go to the Middle East and talk about what these princes is doing, and let them just throw that money at us like <laughs> that type of change. That's all you need. You know what I'm saying? And like really, really make this shit what the fuck it needs to be because I'm not. For me, it came to the point where I'm like, I'm not holding on to this shit no more. Yeah, I got mad years to go. I got mad shit to still learn. But I'm not, it's 2018. I'm not following the same steps as like, oh, I need to hit first. Or I need I need to solidify, solidify myself in the music industry to be able to create a company, to be able to sound. I don't, you don't, that, all of that shit is out the water now. Interesting, because I was going to ask you that. You don't need none of that shit no more. I don't, I don't need to, I don't, why, why do I need that? I'm. I'm I'm I have one project out, right? Kites is really what I consider my first project. I don't know it was called I don't know for a You know my favorite record of yours, right? You no. should know. No, what was it? Shadows. Thank you. That's so my, you know that's my That's my shit. I love Shadows. Shit. Thank you. Um the drum Rest the beat, in peace, D O M. That's who produced that. Okay. It's beats my, fucking insanity. Yeah, it's, he's he's the best, man. He he produced that joint. That he he's insane. Um but yeah, like I have one project out. It's called Kites. I don't know yet to me was like my building foundation, but it's called I don't know yet for a reason. It's so I could come in, come in these spaces and tell you like I didn't know yet. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. All, it was just me and Tarmic. We didn't know. We just put eight songs out. Some of them were five years old. Shadows was recorded in 2012 with the executive. Such name. a good. You guys, if you haven't heard it, you gotta hear that. In two that's listening, that's my shit because the <laughs> intro is ah. Uh. And then it starts. <laughs> so from a DJ's perspective, <laughs> you could do the whole. You yeah. Go go ape with the. Uh, you have gone ape with it always at an event that I was at. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I never do less with that. And I play that at like. The th- thing about that is, and when we DJ is like we, real DJs break records, right? Like, fake DJs don't. Right. And real DJs would be like, I could put this in the set with a J Cole record, even though this guy might not be as known as J Cole, but I could play this song too. And when you do that, and you don't lose your your crowd or p- heads are still bopping or people are still moving, then you did your fucking job. So when I played that song, it it p- proves to me that it it sits right with Absolutely. all the other big hits that we continually play. Which one of your records is your favorite? 
My favorite record changes right now. It's Tangerine. Okay. Uh, I fucking that's that's my favorite. But it's a it's a hard, it's a hard uh, mix between Tangerine and Mango Nectar. Okay. Yeah, those are my two. I think two. we did Tangerine at UDC. Yes. Yes, yeah. we did. Yes, we did. Very nice. Um, but yeah, I say that to say like. What I was trying to get by saying that with my first project and stuff is like, w- even with this project, I've been able to do things that I never could have fathomed that I could have, that you, w- you would do if you actually followed the timeline of what like artists need to do. You know what I'm saying? Explain that to like the guy who's in his room right now yeah. making a record. So for example, like the, the usual formula and I, you know, I don't want to say like the, the, what's been known is once you have your hits so you have your first two or three albums by your third or fourth album then you're at a point where you know you can do brand endorsements or deals and and you know uh go around and you know like work with certain people and say oh this so and so artist has done this with this community and has done this and that you know people artists usually don't do that off jump it at, at least in what i've seen in my history and correct me if i'm wrong maybe it's the same for y'all it's it's taken two or three albums for them to get to that point. You know what I'm saying? And for me, off of Kites, I've been able to work with Beats One, Audi, you know, we're about to work with EatsCon, which is a big food festival, mm-hmm. uh, Kennedy Center. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like all of these things that are about to happen. And you and that, would... That's you would, one project, really. Off of one project. And right. you... And you would think those things would happen after your big hits and right. things like that. But that's what made me focus on the foreign affair more. That's what made me call Dharmic and Ani and tell them, yo, let's really talk about this shit and really focus on what's necessary because these things are happening now. And I thought this was going to be an early conversation. I mean, a late conversation, but this conversation can already start now. And yeah. I still have a lot to learn with music. I still aren't, I'm not even where an artist is supposed, like, you know, I'm I'm just a kid with a small buzz that's growing every single day and I'm still coming up. But it's 2018 and I've seen my peers, like Ani, be able to take something and make an h- entire company out of it. It's not 2006 no more. Right. It's not 1998 no it's more. It's evolved. Everything's evolved. Everything's evolved. So just because I'm not the number one hit guy or not the front runner in rap music doesn't mean this this company shit or this foreign affairs shit or this uh, you know this black and brown body and hub of a company can't already be happening you know what i'm saying right. that shit can happen at the same time right. in simultaneously with everything uh, yeah 100 percent. and ani's like we don't even have to agree we could just look at it we could just look at facts ani went from starving artist to working 18 hours a day every single fucking day to now having five people who work under him and two interns with a digital media company, right? It, it, ain't nobody give him that shit, no. right? Like, he, 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 he just did that shit. He literally just woke up one day and said, I'm going to do this shit, and now he has the shit. And, you know, I see in one of my bars, like, I need making more than I can count now. Taking meetings with the fairy skin downtown. The <laughs> money got me coming out the house now. You know what I'm saying? Like, like Ani... Ani is a huge example of how that, when I see that, I go, why the, why aren't we starting the foreign affair already then? Because you started GRC and that shit is a thing now. So you ain't no fucking rap star. 
So why can't I do it? Right. And here we are. It's, it's funny when, when you do music. Uh, we talked about this uh, on another episode where <coughs> when you do music, sometimes people try to put you in a box that you're a musician. <laughs> so, like, if you're a musician and you do music. Can I cut you off really fast? Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes people try to put you in a box and imagine the box within that box because you're brown. Facts. So they don't even think you could do the Bars. box. Bars. Yes. They don't even think you could do the box because the box has always been either black, a little bit of white, sprinkled some Hispanic here and there. Mm-hmm. So there's a box within the box. It, it's it's actually, you know, it's, it's funny you say that because, you know, in, in what I do from a music perspective and I look at everything that comes out, new, uh, young, artists that put out music and like what what led me to take a liking to your music was that i felt it was very authentic and it didn't come from a place of some made-up shit it, it felt very organic when i heard the first records that i heard um but i noticed the way you move versus maybe other people from our demographic is very very different explain I'm asking. I'm not. I can't explain. I need okay. you to explain. But, but like, I'm a stu- understand at my level. I continue to study. Right. And I'll never stop studying, especially the youth artist who I sit and I say, "Yo, let me throw them on tapes. Let me put them in in, in my events. Let me let me let me support whatever they do because I believe in that particular artist or I believe in that guy's record, even if it's one record. I like it. I'm a fuck with it. But what I've seen. And and this is after studying you from an, sort of an outside perspective, but knowing a little bit of your team, knowing a guy who worked on your project, Raj, who kind of put me on to you, who put me on to you early, um, is that... Shout out w- to Raj. While most of the people in the diaspora are on this like, yo, let's fuck with each other type shit, or let's do this as a unit, I see you doing it as well. Hearing about the foreign affairs, wow. But you kind of stand in a different space than everybody else that I've seen. And is that intentional? Or is that just just how things are working out? I think it's just how things are working out, man. I think it's a com- completely organic. I think what you're trying to say is I'm starting to know who are the diasporic kids that are doing music right now and they're very much in the diaspora of it. Correct. And I just don't think they grew up the way I did. That's all. You know what I'm saying? Like, I grew up with black folks. Right. That's just what it is. You know what I'm saying? And and I grew up with curry chicken and collard greens. That's my thing. Yeah, I heard you say that. You know what I'm saying? I like, like that's, that. That's who I am. So, it just naturally makes me be around that kind of perspective or that's the perspective at least that I know you know absolutely I don't know the grow up with only brown kids story sure I'm saying my story is the United Nations I grew up in the most diverse place in the entire world I grew up with West Indians Africans Greeks Albanians anything you could fucking think of besides Australia right so Mm -hmm. so in the in the birth (coughs) of of what you're telling what you're what you're painting this picture of this brown version of Iraq. And it's not just the brown. So that's the thing. Black right? and brown. It's the black and brown shit. And that's right. why I think I'm different. 100%. That's exactly... I think that's the difference between me and those other artists is that mm-hmm. 
even we first of all, we as a diaspora have to look into our own community and talk about our prejudice behind black folks and what that looks like, and we don't do that too often, and how we're so close but yet so far because of what we've been taught because of imperialism. And that's a whole nother podcast for itself. <laughs> Part two. Right. <laughs> but you know, we have to dig deep and understand that like none not either one of us, none of us would be in this room without black folks. Right? All facts. Point blank period. Yeah. Marcus Garvey, Hugh P. Newton. I know this shit because I grew up with this shit. Right? I know my history because my best friends, my closest family friends, which is very rare in brown community. My family friends are black families, right? So this Eid, my black family friends, who I consider my family, I don't even call, like, I literally say my brothers are coming up for Eid, right? And I go down for Christmas, you know what I mean? And we, as a people, don't understand, as from the South Asian diaspora, of how really similar we are. I think New Yorkers do, because we had to be around these, you know what I'm saying? We had to be around everybody, and you're just a train station away from everything. But, like, in general, my focus has never been only brown folks. My focus sure. has always been the immigrant story, whether you're Arab, you're West Indian, you're North African, you're West African. It, all, it has always been that. And that's because we all share the same shit. And the same shit really comes down to the food. We have the same stews. We have the same spices. We have the same, you know what I'm saying? Like, all that shit comes down to the same thing. And I think the difference with me it hasn't been intentional. It's just a natural thing. The reason you come to my shows and you see the West Indians or the reason you come and see the Somalians or the Sudanese and the Hijabis and shit like that is because I don't alienate them. It's because I naturally speak about them. You know, when I say this one's for Syria, steadily making a pilgrimage, fighting for what should be evident. You know what I'm saying? Like, that comes from me because I have that perspective. I, on, I don't only speak about the South Asian perspective because, honestly, I just started understanding the South Asian perspective. I didn't even know the South Asian perspective because I grew up in the hood. So I didn't even know. All I knew was dildo pago hair. Or like scooch scooch off hair, whatever the fuck. Big shit. You know what I'm saying? That's it. That's all I knew. I didn't I didn't know the extra shit. Like when Bhangra, I love Bhangra. I heard of Bhangra like five years ago. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Right. I was like, why? It's beautiful music, but why? You know? So for me, I think it's just naturally. Interesting. I'm just a very specific breed. I'm just a niche within a niche within a niche because Bengali people in New York are still making it, right? Indians and Pakistanis, I've been here a little bit longer, whatever the case may be. Facts. But Bengalis, when you go to a subway, when you go to a Dunkin' Donuts, when you go into a cab, if he's brown, he's Bengali. But you guys control the entire parking ticket market. <laughs> no, we don't. That's not us, bro. That's y'all. That's y'all. That's y'all. Leave us alone. <laughs> I'm over here trying to big up. You gonna go? You gonna go talk about the feds and shit, man? We cutting all that fed shit off. It's like nah. Um, but nah. So for real. So like. Bengalis are the only ones that that are in these lower income. Like, there's 300 Bengali families in Queensbridge Projects. You know what I'm saying? There's about 400 in LES. You know what I'm saying? Now, LES is the only place you see Bengali and Puerto Rican mixes. Yeah. You know what yeah, I'm saying? it's crazy. It's mad at them. Yeah. It's mad at I them. I grew up, we grew up with that. Like, we know kids, like, from that, from that world. Exactly. So, Bengalis are the unheard voices of the hood because even the Puerto Ricans and Dominicans was in the hood with the black folks, so were the Bengalis. We have migrated here since the beginning of time. There's a book called Bengali Harlem okay, by Vivek Bald. Okay. Back when we were all India, 
when the British came to take us and move us to the West Indies and things like that, y'all were like, take the Bengalis. Because <laughs> we were like, you know, we're like the Me- we're like the Mexicans of the South Asian diaspora. Like, we're like, we're for some reason the come up country still to this day. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah, we are almost looked down upon. So that's why when you look at West Indians and you look at Guyanese people, like Guyanese or Trinidadians, they look Bengali or they look South Indian because... South Indians and Bengalis were the ones that were treated like the lower class, right? So they were the ones that were shipped. And the crazy fact check about this is, and you could look this shit up, this shit is crazy, is Bangladesh came to Harlem super early, like in the 30s, some shit like that. And a lot of the percentage of Harlem has Bengali blood in them. And there's pictures of Bengali people with the Puerto Ricans and the blacks. And when Malcolm X converted, there was only one place he could eat in Harlem. And it was an Indian spot. Because back then it was all called India. Right? Mm-hmm. right. But that was really a Bengali spot. And it was the only spot that had a halal food. So Malik El-Shabazz would go to that spot to go eat and converse with the Bengalis. So Bangladesh, Bengali people have been deep-rooted in New York when it comes to with black faces for so long. That I'm just a niche within it. And I bring this all up to say and to circle it back around to the fact that I, it is the most, it's natural for me as a South Asian because Bangladesh is a very specific thing here in this, in this, in this city. And we grew up in places where most South Asians do not grow up. So through all your ups and downs, I'm curious to know, because being a, a, a Desi, a South Asian, growing up here in, in New York, my parents and my family are very influential on a lot of decisions that I make in my life. Mm-hmm. Do your parents like, or and your family, do they have they given you any pushback? Have they given you constant and unconditional support? Constant unconditional support. That's that's love, because it's it's. I feel that they had to see the bag first. Right. But once they saw the bag, they was like, "You made this much in how many minutes? <laughs> Twenty minutes? That's how right. you make off a set? Oh yeah, you keep doing this. That's love. But you know, but." And there's no fault to them, right? Like, my father left everything. He had a three-floor crib, personal driver. Right. You know, my mother, like, you know, we had, we had, th- like, help and shit. You sure. know what I'm saying? Like, you leave all of that shit to come here and live in lower-income housing. That's the definition of unconditional love for of me. Course. You know what I'm saying? So, like, you do, you do that. I can understand your... Your negligence to like, I don't know if you should do this right. Like, naturally, you want to be a fucking rapper out of all things, and it's like, you know, it's one of, it's like one. The ratio is so hard for this shit to happen. Right. And so they were not with it in the beginning, but then when they saw I could get education from it, which I did for myself, going to full cell, they're like, well, maybe this could be a thing. And then when they saw that, like this shit, you know, when and then their communities, they started hearing that their son is doing some shit. They're like, now my, it's really cute. Like my father tells everybody. You know, my, my son? son's doing yeah. it. Was, was son's there like some it. Elton John thing that happened? Elton John shouted out my country, shouted out my project, shouted out my song. Explain that to us, like for the listeners that weren't at that <laughs> Apple thing. Like I heard about it, I was like, oh, yeah, man. But but what you came up with after was crazy. So Elton John heard a record of mine called "Too Late Now" and said, "I want to play it on my radio station." Wow. And that's the first time I brought my music back to my parents and said, "Listen, wow." And they said, "Was this Elton John?" I said. Yeah. And he was just like, this new artist from, you know, Anik Khan from Bangladesh. And any, if any of you was listening from Bangladesh. And I was just like, yo, he repped my hood. 
from because he said Queens too. I was like, he rep my hood, he rep my country. He said my name, and I was just like, it's is it is Sir Elton John? Yeah, that's so real. It was wild, man. And my father was like, that's Sir Elton John. It's like yeah, that's the only reference they understood. Like. No offense to Ebro or Zane or any one of those people. Like, I love them to death, but, like, my parents don't know what the fuck that type of shit is. Right. Like, but when I said Elton John... It hit them. They were like... Yeah. It's funny, because in the Apple interview, you said that after your dad said that, then he, like, called all his boys and everybody. His was WhatsApp like, oh, was popping. Like, son. Anik's doing a record with Elton John. Yeah. Type <laughs> shit. Like, yeah, they were like, yeah, Anik. I was like, I didn't do no damn song with Elton, Baba. I just, he just shouted me out. You got to relax. Oh, shit. Yeah. He'd he be saying a bunch of shit. He'd be like, he was, like, he'll just, you know, the, the, the Daisy exaggeration of is course. a whole nother level. It's important. Yeah. <laughs> you said it's important. Absolutely, I think that's the one bro. thing we don't need. Fuck that. <laughs> Fuck that. He'll be like, he'll be like, yeah, because I was on New York One when we did this segment together. Yeah. And my father was like, you know, he's on New York One for like the next year. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> who gave you that time frame? Who did you just invent that in your head? Oh, like, who shit. who told you that? That's what they're supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah, no. Nah, that's he's, all, that's a parental thing in general. I yeah, think. but he's he's super proud. My mother, like everybody's super proud. And you know, it's feeding me, right? Like I take care of that. I'm a breadwinner at the crib. Like that, this shit feeds me now. So, yeah. this shit changed my life. And Sp- speaking on that, I want to talk about balance. Like, so you're a person first. Always. You got all this music that people are waiting on because now you're in the game. You got this company that you're building. You got. Mouths to feed, and at some point it feels like when you look at all that from the outside, like there might be pressure on you, or you, you have. At any point, do you feel pressure? And if you do, how do you balance life, like putting life ahead of everything else? Pillars. Uh, I'm not religious at all, but for one thing I learned is like I got five pillars, and my five pillars are family, honor, loyalty, uh, kindness, and respect. Right. And those things I never crack. And it took me a long time to figure out how to not let that. You break one of those pillars, the building's going to fall. So I don't care if I have a meeting in Def Jam or whoever the fuck it is. If my mother calls me and she really needs me, I got to turn around. Because if I don't turn around, then I'm breaking my pillars. If you're not treating me with honor and respect and I'm still fucking with you, I'm breaking my pillars. If I'm not treating you with kindness, and honor, I'm breaking one of my pillars. So for me, no matter what the fuck is going on, if those five pillars are consistently, constantly stable and actually holding this shit together, then it doesn't matter how much you're adding to the top. It's just that's how it stays, that's how it stays up. Super gems. Bars. I think I, l- I live by that too, but <laughs> definitely. I just didn't know. I, like, I, I couldn't lay it out like that. <laughs> yeah, so very, I got to go back and listen to that. Word. <laughs> Anik, um, you now sit in a position where a lot of young kids from all backgrounds, doesn't even matter where they're from at this point, but now they're looking at you as like the guy. What, really? Absolutely. I wouldn't know. Y'all know. would know this shit more. I know because we're in, we're in parties. I like, stay away from this shit, so no, I don't know. It's a fact. Like, we know. I, know I, just, I live in Richmond Hill with my nephews and my niece, so I don't be knowing what the fuck be going on. I know for sure um, where there's young cats or cats <laughs> in music or just kids from around the way and I talk to kids like it's a big part of how I play music and I'll be like yo have you heard of Anik Khan and people will be like Anik Khan's doing it 
Anik Khan's making us proud, right? So they're saying that already. Yeah, that's crazy. And like we know the trajectory is this way. It's, it's constant growth. And we know that you're not even near where you're going. So with that, do you feel that you have any sort of responsibility to the youth? And if so, two parts. If you do feel that, is there a message that you want to give them before we close this podcast? Um, it's a it's a very fine medium, right? Uh, I don't want anybody to look to look up to nobody. I I want the idea of celebrity to be thrown out the window. I never I never grew up with that. Rappers ain't put food in my fridge. Rappers ain't pay my rent. My father did. So I would rather give that love, give that attention, give that perspective to the people around me that love me. And that's the, that's what I've known. That's what I've that's what I know. But at the same token, I understand that people like to be able to relate to something. And I know that I relate to a lot of people. Does that mean that I change who I am for them? No, absolutely not. I do whatever the fuck I want to do the way I am. And if somebody gravitates to that, then beautiful, amazing. But if there's anything that I could leave with anyone, it's the fact that you are way stronger and way more beautiful yourself and with the people around you. I am no different from you, and I will never be better than you. Jay ain't better than you. All these people put on their pants the same way. Nothing about them is better than the people that are around you right now that love you. And that's the only thing we should be focusing on, right? And for me, I it's cool to say that I'm it and all that other shit and I and I I respect it, I honor it, and I'll always honor it. But what's more important is for people to understand that by the end of the day, I don't know you. That's realistic, right? Like, I don't know you. I don't know. I can't help you with your education. I can't help you feed your family. I can't help you. That's not what I'm here for. I'm here to just give my perspective. And by the end of the day, if you can find that with the people you love, but still be able to enjoy what I'm doing, that's the balance that you need for yourself. Because that's the balance I found for myself. I love Nas, but I never expected Nas to help me. I never expected Nas to show me the way. I, sp I expected my father to show me the way. Because my father was there every day. My Nas wasn't there every day. So, for the youth or for anyone, I'm a neat con and I know that there's certain things you relate to, but you are your own person. And there's so many things that you personally do better than me, do way cooler than me, do way flyer than me, that I can never do because I'm not you. And I need you to care about that way more than you care about me. I'm speechless. Get <laughs> the fuck out of here. <laughs> just, just shut everything off right now. Yo. New York City and worldwide. <laughs> this was a legendary episode of the Butter Chicken Podcast. Facts. With Anik Khan and the Butter Chicken Boys, DJ Sherrod. And DJ Juicy, baby. Juicy, where can they catch us? Catch us on Instagram at Butter Chicken Podcast. That is the hub. It'll take you to all the podcasting platforms. We're on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. Make sure you rate, you sus subscribe. And uh, like they must like. I must like too, definitely. And uh, yeah, man, this was a uh, this was a really great one today. Thank you so much to Anikon for joining us and and taking some time out of your day to, sp to share some of these gems and your story with us, man. Thank you so much. Really appreciate that. Ah, uh, thank you for having me, guys. Y'all are the OGs. I'll do whatever the fuck y'all want. This is how I go. Respect, man. <laughs> we would need a song every day. <laughs> <laughs> Can't do that. Sorry. I take that back. I take that back. I take that back. This is the buddy. I respect podcast. whatever the fuck y'all want. <laughs>
Where can they catch you, Anique? Uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, <laughs> all that. All that extra other shit, Anique Khan. Alright. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, we see you next week. Butter chicken. Thank you.